Ladies and gentlemen, prepare for liftoff. Hey everybody, thanks so much for coming back and spending some time here with us at Liftoff. Today, this week, we're joined by a really cool cat. He's the founder and CEO of StrategySprints.com, also the host of the Strategy Show podcast. Please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Simon Severino. Simon, thank you so much for coming on, man. Hi, Tony. Hi, Peter. Great to be here. Man, we it's are so good to super have you. excited to have you. So, Simon, you know, I'm going to come out the gate swinging. Can you define strategy for us? A lot of people use the word, but I think we all have very different definitions. How do no, you define true. it? Oh, this is a great question. For 17 years, I have been teaching strategy in classes, you know, MBA classes and similar business schools. My definition right now is a very simple one. Think of swimming, you are swimming. And from time to time, you have to pull your head out of the water and check, are you still swimming in the right direction? Where is everybody else swimming? Do I need to take a curve somewhere and where is it? Is my speed fine or do I need to change anything? And then you go back with your heads down and continue swimming. That's the operations. And when you pull your head up, this is strategy. This is working on your business instead of in your business. That's my current definition. I, I love that. That's so let's talk about the biggest shark in the water then, which <laughs> is two things, right? I think the first would be sometimes I find that people don't want to stick their head out of the water. Why is that? Oh, that's beautiful. So when you say something, somebody, hey, you need to, more, to, to work more on the business instead of in the business, they usually say, I don't have the time to do it. It sounds great, but you know, I have to code 1,000 lines this week. I have to uh, make sure that the bug is repaired. There are three people to onboard on the client side and four on the people side. I have to fire somebody. So usually we have stuff going on and that's urgent and that's it's shrieking and the the very important things are calm they don't they don't bark at you so usually we delay them so most people work in the business very long and try to avoid working on the business if you ask me why i would say it's habit first the usual way so we started a product we started something because we were great at it we were in love with it let's say we create an agency because we were just good at creating websites and now we have more clients than we can do ourselves now we have three people five people ten people we are a creative agency but i'm still doing websites because i love doing it now if you are my business coach and tell me hmm simon you will not grow like this, what brought you here won't brought you to the next level, then I will automatically say, but Peter, you don't know my context. In my context, I have hardly time to read a newspaper and to play with my kids. So I will react out of my patterns and I will tell you my status quo. And this is why we really need a business coach, because from the outside, you can help me make a time analysis, watch how I really pay with my attention for things because we pay for our attention. We pay attention. So we really 
invest time and presence in stuff, but you have to help me see which of these is really moving stuff forward and which one is just feeling good. Like it's feeling good to write code. It's feeling good to get mm. claps by, so to be in fulfillment because you still get applause for a good website. Wow, you did a great website. So you feel important, right? It, or or even it, it feels also good to post a, a video on Instagram or even to do a show, a, an episode of a show because we think it's so important. Maybe it is, maybe not. Maybe it's not moving the business forward at all. This is so fascinating. There's um, Peter and I's heads are swimming right now. Speaking of swimming, <laughs> I, I do have one question. When you were talking, I was thinking about different different kinds of small businesses and the types of things people are doing day in day out. Like you said, the emotions run high. You know, when you can get accolades quickly, they help drive you forward because it is so hard sometimes. It leads me to what if someone thinks they're swimming? And even more importantly, thinks they're swimming in the right direction when in fact they're not. How do you identify that and course correct? This is over 90% of the people we are talking about. Yeah. You cannot talk about distraction if you don't know what traction is. And 90% of the people, they have never defined what traction is to mm. them. So you ask them, how do you acquire customers? And they tell you, well, I have a, a blog post on LinkedIn. I have a weekly Instagram live. And then you ask them, okay, how many discovery calls do you get into your calendar from each channel? Oh, I don't have that. I don't have that number. How many discovery calls will be in your calendar next week from that channel? Oh, I don't have that number. So you, can, you cannot even know what the distraction is if you don't know what the traction is. Yeah, we don't measure that. It's like the First most thing, common thing I hear, right? Oh, we yeah. don't exactly. <laughs> and I was the same. I have to tell you, I resonate with everybody who says we don't measure that because I was there. A couple of years ago, I was there. And I remember why I didn't measure because I did not have the hope that these numbers will become reliable. Because when you first do it, the numbers, of course, are far away from reality. So I call it a chicken and egg problem. Who, who was first? Who knows? Who cares? Just write down. <laughs> it's not important. The important thing is that you start. Start by writing down the estimation. So pick three metrics. This is actually how we work with our clients when we do one-on-one -on -one coachings. Pick three metrics. The primary one, this is something around revenue or recurring revenue. And then the secondary, two or three secondary ones. One can be around the customer. How happy is the customer? If, if you are mature, you can pick NPS. If you're early stage, you pick the number of customer conversations that you had per week. Mm. And then something around the team. How high is the team confidence from one to 10 that they will reach their goals of next week, for example. So if this is your set of metrics, just put some numbers in there. First week, it will be far away from reality, but then the gap will become smaller. After three weeks, you have a reliable number. After six weeks, you have a reliable system. And after nine weeks, now you have a business. So Simon, I am so curious. Do you find that when you let people think in weekly increments, their perspective changes over time? Because strategy Everything for me is never just a one-week thing, right? It's, it's, 
it takes time to learn to stick your head out of the water. Yes, on the one on one side, it takes time to learn to stick your head out of the water. On the other side, you shouldn't stick your head for hours or for days. So the times are over to go like two weeks into the woods and to come back with your mission statement. You don't need that. Extrapolate from what's currently working. Learn oh, that yeah. from your data. Listen to your data and the data comes from your users. The happiest users will tell you stuff and the, and the least happy users will tell you the important stuff. These are the two groups that you need to listen to and they will tell you everything if you ask. So we install with our clients the so-called NPS, Net Promoter Score where we ask every client every 30 day in an automated way, you don't, you don't have to do anything. They get asked what's working well, what's missing, what's not working at all. And uh, would you promote us? And uh, if so, why? And this is right. the information that you need. This is the, this is the gold. And it's so simple to ask. I have a little sidebar question here. One of the things as designers, we often will have inside of a discovery session or try to get the client behind sometimes is that not all things that are important are measurable and yet also not all things that are measurable are important. What are your thoughts around that? I think meanwhile that everything that is important can be measured and actually if it cannot be measured I question if it's really important. Mm. Oh. And the art of measuring might be just non-numeric, non but I even find every day something numeric. So even my personal goals of September, of, of right now, my goals for this month are, are personal stuff like being healthy, having time with my kids, uh, serving the sprinters community, etc., I found a way to have that numeric. And if I don't come up with number, I really question myself if that's important. Because the you have an input and you have an output. And of course, you can write about the output. Like, I would like my, my wife to feel about our marriage in this, this way. I keep trying to send my girlfriend NPS, you know, <laughs> questionnaires, and she doesn't <laughs> fill them out. Yeah, because the input is missing. So if I want to have a better marriage, I have to put in the input. And the input is what I can measure. For example, how many times when I went from the table to her, I, I asked her if she, if she wants also some wine. The small things. Uh, how many times when I came back home, I brought a flower with me. The small things that may not even seem uh, making a difference, but this is exactly the inputs that when they compound, they create the quality of the relationship. Mm. Now, but Simon, I would say, if I showed her my Google Analytics dashboard that showed the total number of stems brought home on a monthly period in a running reoccurring average, she might not like that I was manufacturing an equation there. So how do you bridge that divide? Yeah, so I, I, I was reading a book, How to Become a Father, when my first son, Federico, was born. And in this book, this was from, from a psychologist, and he said, hey, please, dads, play 15 minutes with your kids. Spend 15 minutes with your kids every day. So I really started, this is not something that you communicate to your kids, of course, but this is something that I put into my calendar. I blocked uh, one hour in the morning before breakfast just to play with my boys. 
And you know what? This was amazing. First, because this is the input needed for you. If, if you want to grow into the role of the father, you have to, you have to start with the input. So it's, it's really the amount of time and of presence that you put into. And uh, you can say, well, but the amount of time is not the quality. Yeah, but you have to start with it. And then maybe it's low quality, then you work on the quality. But first you have to have one hour so that nobody can come in in that time. This is that time. So from that one hour, now I'm at three and a half hours per day. And I really have it blocked in my calendar. If it wasn't blocked in my calendar, well, we operate in four continents. I have certified sprint coaches doing their magic everywhere. Wow. You can imagine wow. somebody wants my attention right now. But I say, okay, no, this is time for my kids. I'm not available. So Simon, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, this is this is on point. I need to do this. But then I realize, you know, something pops up that's utterly, completely urgent. How do I determine what is urgent? Like, how do you get through that fallacy? What is truly urgent? Yeah, I love that. So first, you need buffer times. You cannot plan 24 hours of the day because something will pop up that is unexpected. So I have blocks, they are called buffer, and there is just nothing in it. I have also blocks for exercise, running, just playing around, you know, yoga, reading, whatever. I can take one of them. It's if, if something really urgent pops up, I will take one of them. But we have also systems to define who will deal with bugs. Because one of the core moments of a sprint coaching is that you map out your core business processes. So you know what's going on in the awareness phase, in the nurturing phase, in the closing phase, in the, in the upselling phase. So you know the core processes. And for every process that you did once, you know where the bugs will be. You know that this part will break, that this part can break, this part can break. So we think it in advance. We have our job descriptions. And for every bug on the technical side, usually this is a technical topic in, in our business. In other businesses, it might be something completely different. But in our businesses, that some technical part breaks, we can plan in advance for that. So we have role description, which say, if this part breaks, this is the person and this is the process. If that part breaks, this is the person and this is the process. Since 2008, Bottle Rocket has been helping companies acquire more, engage deeper, and grow faster than their competitors. Industry leaders like Southwest Airlines, Chick-fil-A, MoneyGram and Frito-Lay trust Bottle Rocket to provide business strategy, product management, experience design, product growth, and technology services that drive business results and solve unmet customer needs. To learn more about Bottle Rocket and subscribe to the newsletter, visit BottleRocketStudios.com. How do you get past when someone says, that doesn't work well being so systematic. Do you ever come across that in your line of work where there's a wall because they can't wrap their head around how systematic Yeah, the artistry is. is gone. Right? Yeah, they're a little too precious about the artistry or the amount of shooting from the hip. Yeah, I come across that and I can resonate with that because I'm a creative person. I so I'm when when I think of systems, this is what counterbalances me. I love freedom before everything else. So don't fence me in. If you fence me in, mm. I'm, mm. I'm breaking out of that. 
we, we are the sprinters. We are wild animals. You know, you cannot fence us in. So I understand completely somebody who says freedom is the most important thing. I don't want it in any, in any case to be limited. My philosophy is a different one. For me to be free, to really have that one hour with my kids before breakfast, I need this system. If I wouldn't need that, I wouldn't build it. Mm. We only build systems that increase freedom and increase impact. Like, let's get a little metaphysical here. You need to build constraints in order to be able to achieve the freedom that you seek or the space to be creative. I feel that way. Systems enable freedom. Systems yeah. create the foundations for play and for creativity. Without that, you are firefighting. You are just reacting to other people's priorities. Let me give you an example. When I was a kid in Rome, I was in a Montessori school. And Maria Montessori, she, she, she was a designer of education. And she had some design principles in there. And one was, there are some rooms for play. There are some rooms for work, but you never mix it up. And then there was a yellow line in front of the house, uh, of the school, and my parents couldn't get past that yellow line because she said, this is the space of the kids. Mm. So these were just three design elements, the playing room, the working room, and the, out, and the limitation, the boundary for the outside world. Yeah. We just, this, this, this is a simple system. With this system, this created the foundation for us to feel like little project managers. We were five years old, but we were, we were feeling like we are the project managers or the product managers, whatever you call a creative person creating wonderful stuff. That's how we felt and that's how creative we were. We were playing, we were in flow states and we were creating a tons of stuff because of this, three, of this small system that you could, could call an educational system, it was just made of two rooms and one boundary. Without that, you have the normal school situation. You go into a normal school and you see chaos, loudness, and people putting other people down, vice versa. No creativity. Everybody destroying the creative moment of everybody else. Yeah. I love that. So, Simon, early on, you talked about swimming as this concept of when you stick your head out of the water, you're in that strategy phase. I think for a lot of us, we've been forced to stick our head out of the water because of COVID, whether that's in our personal life or in our business life or both simultaneously, instantly. How has that changed some of your, let's call them more conservative clients' outlook on the importance of pulling your head out of the water? Yes, this happened to all of us. And for me, this is partly a blessing because now we were stripped away of all these illusions and all these things on autopilot. This is how it runs in my industry. This is how products are built in my industry. All these illusions are stripped away and people were hiding behind that. For example, I didn't feel that flying around every day and being a frequent flyer was the most stupid thing I could do. I thought it's a metric for, for my impact. I could not be more wrong than that. What so a waste of time, right? Waste of time for everybody. We could and have spent so much more time with clients having impactful value instead of with TSA pre-check lines. 
Absolutely. And in my case, because I am out of fulfillment, I could have done so much growth for my company in that time instead of sitting around and doing nothing. And we think that it's productive time, but we're really just sitting on our phone in an airport. Absolutely. Absolutely. You might get a little bit more of emails done, but it's not really. If you use it for thinking time, it can be. But this is one example of a thing that was normal that now was stripped away. And now I have the chance to see things more clearly and to feel things are as they really are. For example, that I had so much separations from my kid and from my wife every day. I do not accept that anymore. I will do everything possible mm -hmm. to design my business in a way that it supports my life and my family and not the other way around. So this is a blessing. And a lot of people call us and say, now I really need to digitize. I always said I'm digital, but I'm not. I'm not. And now I really need to digitize. So I love it because now people concentrate on, hey, where am I really? What does really matter here? Which relations are the most important to nurture? And how can I do the stuff that really matters and that people need? And these are the best questions. Simon, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, you know, what I've gotten a lot of great information from today. If you could leave them with one thing, one actionable thing to start implementing more of a strategy sprint focus to their life, what would it be? cut the number of projects that you have right now in half and then cut them in half again. Interesting. You are doing too much. Solve only one bottleneck after the other. And when this is completed, not at 95% completion, but at 100, then you start the next one. And this is called a sprint. Now, if you need help in finding out what your current number one bottleneck is, we share that on our website. It's a 15 minutes exercise. You go to strategysprints.com slash sales and you find in 15 minutes, it's a set of questions. After 15 minutes, you know your current sales funnel bottleneck because this is in the funky year 2020, the most important bottleneck. You have to rebuild your business, get in front of the right people and get better clients. That was a great segue into how might we find you and Strategy Sprints, which you said it right there, website, strategysprints.com. You can also do strategysprints.com slash sales, I think I heard you say. Yes. And then LinkedIn, where are we going to hit you up at? Yeah, it's Simon Severino on LinkedIn or Strategy Sprints on LinkedIn. We are everywhere. You just Google Simon Severino or Strategy Sprints. You, f you find us popping up. We are everywhere. We are social animals. Love it. Now, I, we do have one more question for you, and it's a question that we ask every guest, which is what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Now, let me just build in the caveat against it right away because we get asked a lot, what about people? And I'm going to say, you can't say a person. So it's, it's really just a table where we eat every day. If, if oh. there is one object, because that's where, that's where our life happens. You know, we, yeah. we eat there every day and around that all conversations and all life and all nurturing and all love that we have in our family and all serving takes place there. I love that. And there are so many reasons why to me it feels, it feels like something that 
our friends overseas do so well. And I think we used to have that in our culture, but now, I mean, it's rare. Speed to mouth. It's rare. Speed to mouth for me. That's my metric to measure, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I, as a dad now of two, you know, the habits that we're starting to build, because they eat so much earlier than us, and yet, so we're not eating, but we're sitting with them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna make sure that we have that in in our family as well, because I really appreciate that. And you know, you are meaningful. young. You both are very young. But I can tell you, after ten years of marriage and two kids, that one of my primary metrics in this month is not revenue and is not NPS. It is how many times in this month I will cook dinner mm. for oh. my family. Because yeah. it's an honor and it's, it's, it's one moment where you can immediately express love, which is not that easy as a dad because nobody, nobody feels that you have brought money home. That's not really important. Yeah. It's important. But, when you, but when, you, when you do a lasagna, when you do something that really where you feel the love, this is immediate and the conversations around that and kids tell you what they experience and what their questions are. This is for me the most precious moment. So there is one of the metrics is how many times will I cook dinner this month? I love well, that. I heard it here first on Liftoff. Build a GA dashboard, track all your interactions with your wife or partner, and make sure that cooking food is one of them and STEMs brought home is another. I love it. <laughs> and I can't wait for you to send us overnighted one of your lasagnas so thank you so much for being on the show thank you tony thank you peter it was a pleasure